Hey y'all, just wanted to let you know at the end of this episode we probably talk a little bit about not knowing whether or not we're doing a Twitch show this week because it's Thanksgiving. Uh, we are not. We have ultimately decided. Uh, so uh, don't worry about that and we will talk to you next week. However, we are going to be doing a Twitch show on Christmas Eve. We're doing a very uh, special episode about Die Hard with friend of the show, Andrew Falkenhainer. So uh, you can come back to Twitch next month. But uh, this month, uh, just stay safe, stay home, and uh, eat some turkey. Have a good one. Poured sugar in Pendlehurst gas tank? Nah, some other kids did, but we ended up getting caught. So what's the punishment? He's making us do this scared straight thing at the prison he used to work at. Scared straight? You're already straight. I'm already scared. I've been to the can a few times, Brendan. That's what we call it, the can. Yeah. So when you're there, you call it the can, all right? What do you call cans in prison? You mean actual cans? Yeah. Like food? Yeah. Cans of food? Yeah. Those are still cans. Okay. Here's another thing, Brendan. You gotta be the craziest one there. Right. You act like you're insane and people will leave you alone. You mean like what? Like unstable? Well, yeah, but more. Like overreact to something. Oh, yeah, like what? All right, here's an example. Come up and brush against me. Like walk by. Ready? All right. How do you do? No! No, man! No, man! No! I don't think so! I don't think so! All right? Is it? Yes. Is it? See what I mean? That was good. Freaks you out. I feel my heart. It's pounding. Yeah. And here's another thing. Make a shiv. Yeah, how do you do that? I don't know. Find stuff, you make it. I'm eating chips. Hi, everybody. Uh, God, welcome that, to... <laughs> you have just... Sorry, I normally I was waiting for the bit to be longer, but I'm uh, very unsurprised that that's what it was. Well, I was gonna try to d- I was gonna try to just do the whole death clock theme, but but sing home movies instead. But then I realized that was maybe not the the most effective use of of anyone's time. Wow, you edited a bit, you self edited. <laughs> I'm I shocked. Did. But I've al- I've already earlier today realized what my bit for the David Lynch episode is going to be. So oh, like boy. you know. You- Two steps forward, one step Can't back. Can't wait to record Hi. that one at 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, this is I Think You'd Be Into It, the, po- the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. And I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. And uh, joining us today is, uh, he's a member of uh, my sketch team, Tantrum. He's a, a, a normal presence at the Pack Theater. Uh, he is Sheikh Zula, the Mike Rula, the old Skula. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Michael Resnick. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. You're our second Tantrum member that we've had. Yeah. We had Cash. Former sketch team Tantrum? I can't tell at this point. Yeah, who knows? No who knows? one knows. You know, I, I've, I've said about Tantrum that Tantrum is like a family in that we get together when we can. <laughs> yeah. Again, if you keep it that vague, you're right. <laughs> yeah, ske- sketch team is maybe uh stretching the definition of of team. I mean, but... look, nobody's performing live this year, so as much as it's easy to drag tantrum, it, we can also give everybody a break on that right now. <laughs> oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. I hope hopefully our our hour long show that we had just started doing will come back once uh the world is online again, but 
Who knows? God, I don't even I don't even remember what we were doing. <laughs> uh, ju- we were literally just doing our normal show, but yeah. 15 minutes longer. <laughs> How many had we gotten in? Just a couple? Just two. I think just two, yeah. You guys started in January. So three, we did, probably. We did one. It was so good that somebody left the team. Then we yes. did another one. <laughs> then we did another one, and it was so good that we started a pandemic. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, and then the pandemic started, and then uh, our teammate is no longer artistic director. So who knows what future <laughs> the future holds we for Cheyenne? We shouldn't Trump. have eaten that bad in that final sketch. We really, you know, I Cheyenne was really committed to the bit, and I appreciated that. So like that's why I voted it in. Yeah, it killed. Yeah, it it, it crushed uh, <laughs> thousands even, of that lives. That was no pun intended, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Michael, thank you for uh, joining us today. Um, before we get into uh, the topic of the day, which is home movies and sort of that initial burst of Adult Swim shows, um, let's talk about a thing we're into this week, shall we? Don't worry, I have one. Yeah, I know. You pre-announced it for us all <laughs> like someone was going to steal it. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just, yeah, I thought, I thought I'd be, I thought I'd be polite. Plus, I had it, which is, which is rare. I usually don't have it until I'm saying the introductory sentence and then I'm like scanning around my room like uh what's his face in usual suspects um <laughs> but our uh the thing I'm into this week is uh strap in folks it's a fish thing uh Trey Anastasio uh it's been two he, weeks so yeah he of uh he of fish has started a th- doing a thing called the Beacon Jams, which he started in one of the, f- I think the first Friday of October, uh, based out of the Beacon Theater in New York City, um, which are just like some webcasted concerts, but he's doing them for free on Twitch, and they've been this really cool way for the sort of like fish and jam band community to have like a thing to kind of rally around. Um because for most of quarantine, they were showing, like, weekly old fish shows. Uh, but they stopped that a little while ago, probably because this was uh, coming down the pike. But it's been a really interesting... Uh, as of this recording, we're only two in of the eight of them they're doing, eight or nine. Um, and so far, it's mostly just... It's mostly been uh, Tab, which is Trey's solo band, minus the horns and... Uh, the girls who sing back up and are like the fucking stars of that band. Um, they are pretty fucking good, but it's, it's been, it's been a really interesting mix of like his newer stuff, some fish stuff that I've never heard tab play before. And then just like trying interesting things. Like they're like each show has had at least one moment where he's brought out this piano player who I think he worked with, uh, on hands on a hard body, the Broadway musical that, that bombed real hard. Um, but I did see because I'm a weird Trey completist. Um, Trey was in. Whoa! What? Just could we take oh. a quick second? What was Hands on a Hard Body was a musical, and Trey was involved in it. He was. He wrote the music. Really? It was. It was a musical about a bunch of people trying to win a truck by keeping their hand on it. It's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it's a documentary, right? It was yeah. a documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I did see the documentary. I never heard about the musical or Trey's involvement. The the well the music you didn't hear about it because the musical ran for about. 12 weeks um in new york in new york yep Yep. on broadway Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if the audience doesn't know i was a giant fish fan in my youth and and will forever love them but have a mixed relationship with the band now 
under understandable uh un- understandable and I, I think most people sort of get get to that point i've just got the the brain worm a little uh a little worse than most people no i still, um, i'm enjoying hearing you talk about i didn't know about the tray shows and it's well, interesting my favorite thing about these tray shows cuz i've seen him watching them is that Trey can Trey clearly has a like feed of the comments in front of him. Oh, yeah. And he just like responds to people, but oh, like he doesn't quit. read the comment and we can't see the comments. Yeah. So he'll so, just like, like start responding to the TV and like talking to people. <laughs> it's very it's very like big dad energy. Oh yeah. Like in between <laughs> songs they'll like they'll finish ghost or whatever and then he'll just be like Oh, Tandy45. Oh, yes. Thank you. I got the shirt at Ross. Yeah, like kind of. mm. (laughs) Oh, big old dog. No. Mm. Or like at one point he started asking his bass player how to pronounce someone's Twitch name. I mean, that is very Twitch. That's what you do on Twitch. You respond to your fans. It's just, it's also just like such big dad energy. Oh Oh, my God. The way he's in it, like acting is asking his band member how to pronounce someone's name. It's just like. Chef's kiss to the universe. I did say out loud when he first like acknowledged the chat. I just instinctively went, "Trey, no." <laughs> um, but that, so hands yeah. on a hard body was his his Broadway musical based on the documentary uh, about a bunch of people chilling in a parking lot in Texas for a few days uh, for this contest. Where as long as you had a hand on this truck, you were still you were like still in the game. But if you took took one or both of your hands off. You were out, and whoever... it's a familiar kind of contest. It's a yeah. thing that people do for real in the real world. Yeah, um, but so they they adapted this like twenty thirty year old documentary into a Broadway musical in like two thousand thirteen, I think. Uh, yeah, I was working on a really bad pilot when I saw it, so yeah, it would have been twenty thirteen. Um, but it the the show is fine. Um, there there are some cool songs in it. Uh, and they all do sound very, very kind of Trey. Uh, if he's if he's leaning a little bit more into his kind of like slightly country tendencies that he has every so often. But it was legitimately weird to hear a uh, like Broadway pit orchestra guitar player basically playing like Trey arpeggios uh, during a Broadway musical. And I was like, this is so this is so weird. Um, yeah, and that's then, cool. Uh, and a couple of the songs have even made their way to fish and tab a couple times. Um, I think I saw, I can't even remember the shows I've seen. Did Trey play with like the Philharmonic at some point? Uh, yeah, a couple times. Yeah. I think the one thing I wanted to see and I did see was Gaiuti with like an orchestra and that was really fun. That song lent itself, uh, very well to that. Yeah. We saw him at the bowl, like literally the first week we were in LA like three days into living here he played the bowl with the uh LA Phil and it was incredible yeah I think I was at that yeah very that was yeah it would have been uh September of 2014 I think yeah Um, I was actually just around when I moved back to Los Angeles oh nice from LA but yeah um yeah they did like pet they sort of like did Petrichor which hadn't really made its way to fish yet I was so good. But um, so, yeah, the Beacon Jams uh, are worth checking out. They're every Friday on on Twitch. Um, oh, the reason I even brought up the musical is is he's bringing out some guests uh, like this piano player that he worked with on Broadway who has been doing like ju- they've been doing like just Trey and a grand piano versions of like Divided Sky 
um, which was really beautiful. And they did a version of Stash that was just the piano tray and then the percussionist uh Ciro uh Ciro Batiste I think is is how you pronounce his name um who's just this crazy who's just this crazy yeah he's just like, <laughs> just like yeah and like it ruled Calypso. like I, yeah, his, his hand of. his hand must have been so fucking calloused by the end of uh nine minutes of non-stop clapping well I'm sure he <laughs> exactly knew what he was yeah doing. also I've been watching and he's a wild percussionist because all of his so many of his things are like not instruments they're like clearly made and they're made out of like household items a lot like he was using a thing as like a wind chime that was a bunch of like house keys attached to a thing that he was like just like holding on to and just like moving his hand through all the keys yeah that were hanging off of it very he cool. sort of dresses like a soccer coach uh who was wearing jamiroquai's hat say wait he's like a soccer coach yeah that's what he dresses like like he's got like a blue like a blue polo a whistle and jamiroquai's hat oh my god it sounds like you're segueing segueing into um our topic for the day <laughs> not not quite but i i am going to use this to segue into whoever wants to go next um i can just go real quick and this is a uh this is one of those things that's um Hyper local, very specific to me. I'm so sorry. And also by the time this comes out, um, actually, we'll see. But I hear that the husk, the target husk is opening. Um, there's, for context, y'all, there has been a target under construction <laughs> very close to us for the entire six years we have lived here. It's true. Because it was held up by like the neighborhood council and like a bunch of people who were against protesting against it, saying it was going to block their views. And then it was like finally allowed to go ahead. They've been building it and building it and building it and they've been making progress. And I hear as of today that there might actually be a soft open on Sunday and then it will no. be there, which like, I, I know that this sounds like weird and petty and I'm sure by the time this comes out in December, it will be open. But like, I'm so excited for this target to be open because it means that I won't have to go to the Glendale Galleria anymore when I have to go to target. <laughs> uh, I love going to the Glendale Galleria. So that whole into it uh, for the thing I'm into this week <laughs> is incredibly local. So if you're in LA, you understand it. If you're not, I'm sorry, we can move on now. <laughs> Yes, I do. I do appreciate that there is a target near me in um, West Hollywood slash the western edge of Hollywood. Oh, that that one that one at La Brea in that like weird complex. Uh, yeah, I was there yesterday, though, and I have to say it felt like a coronavirus hotspot. Oh, was, yeah. It was like mm-hmm. a. a it was a Target that felt at the moment like a Walmart, if that makes any sense. It Oof. was like dark. That's the worst thing you can say about a Target. Yeah. yeah. I know what it, you mean. I did was... go to the Target a couple weeks ago because I had to um, I had to run some errands. Brandon had a – he had a private meeting and it's a small apartment. So I went and I ran some errands and I went to the Target to just like get stuff and I was in there and I was just like, this is fucking chaos. That's code for therapy. I felt <laughs> I felt terrible I for know. the workers. Me there too. were very few there. There was like a 14-year-old with his friends with his mask under his chin just eating red hot Cheetos and licking <laughs> his fingers and like coughing and eating and licking and I was just I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god." It's rare to see a Trump supporter in the wild in Los Angeles. <laughs> what it really is is that all of the targets in 2020 now have the same energy that the target in Brooklyn always had, um, which is another hyper, hyper, hyper local joke. But um, yeah, that target that we were near in Brooklyn, every time you went in there, they never had anything. 
everything was out of stock. The workers were like actively hostile towards you and were like angry at you for they're being hiding. there. I think they're um, hiding, and like, I get it. Yeah, I mean that's that's that I think is is consistent across targets. Well, it is now. And now they just have like one fifth as many employees. It was yeah. it was uh, rough there, but I shouldn't have been in there anyway. <laughs> I'm still really yeah. It's like I'm not I'm not planning on like going because it's 2020, but it's the principle of the target that's been being built for six years. No, it's good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to shit open. on your. I didn't mean to shit oh, on your positive. No, no, no. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Is my point. Like I wish yeah. it were opening at any other time, but it is still the principle of the thing that it has been being built for six years. And it's going to have that brand new, it's going to have a brand new feel. It's going to be nice. Yeah. It's got a parking garage, which is nice because otherwise there's nowhere to fucking park on Sunset and Western. This is the most boring question that I've ever asked in the show. Do we know if it's going to be one of those ones that has a grocery store in it or is it just going to be I a regular target? No, I think it's one of the ones. Actually, I don't know. I bet it does. I don't know. I bet I it does. Know. I would bet it does too for the size of it. It's like, yeah, big. that thing is huge. Yeah. Anyway, I'm into the, the, the target final, the target husk finally being open. <laughs> wow. We're all in our thirties, aren't we? Yeah. 30 people lost their lives in the building of that target, but only due to old age. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, there was the one that the emperor had sealed into the wall, but beyond that. <laughs> Dude, considering all the other things, considering all the other things that have gone on with the building of this target, I would not be shocked if it turns out it's haunted now. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Write this, write this pilot. <laughs> Haunted by the, like, affordable housing that could have been put there. Haunted Target. I'd pitch it to Quibi, but that died this morning. Ah! Are you serious? Yeah, pour uh, oh, yeah. one out for a quick one. Yeah, yeah. This Did morning, Quibi. Yeah. Quibi announced that it's shutting down. They launched their uh, they launched their apps on the Apple TV and, like, Android TV literally yesterday. And this morning, this morning, breaking news, like, two hours ago, there was that Quibi was shutting down because they lost over 90% of their subscribers after the three-month trial period. Yeah, their their subscriber base was seventy two thousand. Yeah, it went from one hundred ninety thousand to seventy two thousand people actually paying for it. God, I will I will say this I will say this about about Quibi. It's 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 so easy to rag on it, and we should, frankly. Um, but like the idea of Quibi wasn't the worst, and like the I did watch a couple things on there. Um, Reno nine one one was one of my favorite shows when I was younger. And so I, I just wanted to watch the the new ones that they made, and it was the perfect show to put on Quibi, because like they they would just put out a new episode that was like seven minutes long every day for like three weeks, um, and That's then great. call it a season. And like they were all just as good and funny as the uh, original show. Like there was there was one that I would there were a couple actually that I would put up with the best moments of the original run, uh, including one where they're at they're in they're uh, checking out a there's a bus crash and it was a bus carrying the cast of a production of cats. <laughs> and so it's just all the deputies uh, trying to figure out who these dead bodies dressed like cats are. Like who's supposed to be what character, and it's so good. Um, but those uh, those will probably show up somewhere. Like I'm sure there was tons of good content. They just they did something wrong in the rollout promotion advertising. It's like people actively hated it before ever using it. it yeah, uh, we have we know funny people who are involved in write and created projects at Quibi, and 
I don't know. They did something that made people actively want to get away from it. And they also for sure definitely got screwed by circumstance, you know, launching a mobile platform right at the moment that everybody was staying home. <laughs> like, but even even on top of that, the whole like basis of it, like when it was launching and kind of what it was trying to do all felt a little cynical, like a little like, OK, yeah. it's it's stream time now. So let's do our streaming. And I, I think that's we're at the point now where like. Every time there's a new streaming service announced, people are like, Ugh, another one. But I think Quibi was the one that hit right at the peak of that, like, do we really need this? And the fact that it was like, had this absurd restriction on it of you have to watch on your phone just made it feel like, oh, this is a cynical grab at millennials by boomers who don't understand uh millennials or gen z it is a shame though because you're right like there was a lot of people like who created really cool stuff and they dumped a lot of money into the stuff they were making it just it isn't it was you know poor circumstance poured with paired with poor marketing but anyway what are you into this week yeah we've now spent more time talking about quibi than than an actual quibi yeah yeah uh what am i into this week i mean i'm into lovecraft country but i feel like that's been country county yeah lovecraft country we uh we talked about i that was my thing i was into like two weeks ago did you watch the finale yet i did watch the finale it was wild i don't even know i I think i have to watch it again yeah i think i have to watch i think i have to rewatch it um brandon doesn't watch it but when it ended i was just like i i don't and he was like what and i was like i'm not mad about the ending but the total shift between the second to last scene and the last scene was so wild i don't even know what to do with it oh oh did it just have like an outro scene that felt like very light i'm trying to remember i can't remember uh, yeah i don't want to spoil it for it's people okay. but it it's was okay. just like i'm gonna rewatch it anyway yeah because it ended so heavy and then like it yeah and then it goes back to d goes back to d and the and the like monster I got to rewatch. It was just like so weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I what that wasn't going to be the thing I mentioned, but I'll just, yeah, (laughs) love everybody should watch it. It's pretty wild. It gets really, I don't know if I can, I don't know if my parents can deal with the gore. Yeah, there is a lot of gore. What's the TLDR of it? Um, I don't think I can TLDR it. (laughs) Sorry. Family. It's, it's about magic. Family learns magic. A black family learns that they are part of a bloodline like that is a white, predominantly white bloodline that like goes back to like the sons of Adam and the Bible. And essentially they can use magic and stuff and they're trying to, uh, I don't know. They're like trying get to get control of it. And it's also yeah, in the fifties. Yeah. So there's like an extra like racial component about it. it. Like the whole thing's a metaphor. But it's really, it's, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. It feels like a companion to Watchmen on a more fantasy. It's like takes Watchmen into an even more fantastical realm of magic. Now, were, were you, were you a Watchman? Did you Watchman the Watchmen? Yeah, I was really into it. Really liked it. I've, I've, I've watched, I think the first two and I, I enjoyed yeah. them. I just haven't. I, I heard really good things about it and I did want to watch it, but I also have, I have such a complicated relationship with the comic that I just like Fair. I'm so hesitant to watch it. <laughs> if you are enjoying Lovecraft Country, I would I think you will enjoy watching it. Yeah, and I, I I think it's just and honestly like when I'm like my I have a complicator like it's just like a hurdle I have to get over. Like I'm sure I will enjoy it, but like there's also just part of me that's always just like fuck anything with Alan Moore. Um, but yeah, but um, that's just because I work in comics. Fair. I don't know if my I can tell my parents to watch Lovecraft Country because of how. 
gory it is sometimes. I think they would really like it, except just yeah, it is. It's incredibly like gratuitously uh, gory yeah. at moments. That I get it. It's racked with symbolism whenever it is, but it's uh, sometimes I'm like, did you need to do that? Did you need that? He's so fucking disgusting. It's like on level with the boys for level of like gore. Like there was. Oh, there was a lot of gore in that, too. Really? God, yeah. I, I didn't know The Boys was a gory show. Oh, yeah. There is a... You, you're going to see a lot of blood and guts. Didn't it kind of get gory later on? Like, it didn't start that way? Well, the story he had to build. But no, Affair. it did start that way. Literally, the way the show starts, the premise of the show, within, like, the first five minutes, is, um, fucking, uh... The main character, Huey, is like talking to his girlfriend, holding her hand, and she's standing just I off a curb. I thought we weren't talking about DuckTales. <laughs> no, but like, just, she's standing like just off a curb, and she gets run into by a super speeder and like explodes into like just blood and guts and gore, and all he's left is like holding her severed hands. And that's in like the first five minutes of the show. I get the tone out there. Yeah. <laughs> so. I had no idea that's what Boys was like. I gotta watch it. Yeah. It's like how they, they surprise you with a dead baby in Perry Mason. Yeah, that was different. Yeah, and Perry Mason, they there was a surprise dead baby very quick. But uh, I actually kind of really need to know why Jamiroquai Hat has anything to do. That's all I can think about now is you were like, that's a good segue to home movies. And now I must know what oh, does Jamiroquai really? have to do with this? Please oh, let us start li- talking. Wait, Literally nothing. Movies? It was just it was just some nonsense doo doo words that came out of my mouth to uh, <laughs> to move the show forward because I'm a professional. He was talking about soccer coaches. and that Oh, was, that, see, that, I don't know. I thought it was about the Jamiroquai yeah. Hat and I became fascinated. Soccer coach features strongly in home movies. Michael Resnick, you made the you made you made the connection that I didn't know I was making. Well, there you go. Oh, See, please. Um, but yes, yeah, so Michael, uh, t- tell us tell us what is home movies and, and w- why do you why do you like it so much? Oh well, like, what, what 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 about it appealed to you? God, I wasn't even sure if I still liked it, so I really was uh, when I went back and watched it. I was like, God, I hope this holds up because um, it had been years since I watched it. But home movies is uh, an Adult Swim show from I think. I think like 99 or 2000 it started something um, like I'll look that it yeah and it aired for four seasons and really blew up on dvd i think that's when i kind of became obsessed with it was when 99 i was 99 to 2004 there you go yeah, the, f- the first five episodes aired on upn in april of uh 99 along with the dilbert show and huh. i believe and i believe shasta mcnasty <laughs> All right. <laughs> I did not know that. And but then, and, and then it got, and maybe even Baby Blues too. I think that might have also been one of the UPN shows. Uh, but those got canceled uh, after five episodes, and then like a year later, Adult Swim started airing them. Okay, I didn't realize that. That all makes sense because the first five episodes. So the show is made by Brendan Small and Lauren Bouchard, and incorporated for the first five episodes, it used that like squiggle vision animation that Dr. Katz used. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who created, Do- uh, I'm much, I should have done some research. Who cre- did the person who created Dr. Katz, was it Lauren Bouchard or was it? it had um, I think it, I think it was Lauren Bouchard and Dr. John- Katz himself. And Jonathan Katz. I think so. And is his name Jonathan? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's produced by it's produced by Jonathan Katz and Lauren Bouchard. Okay, and so the first five episodes of Home Movies had that squiggle vision look, um, and then I think they switched over to like normal flash animation. I think so. Yeah, and also also Paula Poundstone played Paula Small, 
for the first five episodes. And then I think she got into some legal shit that I don't even want to talk about because it's complicated and very depressing. <laughs> I didn't know that it was because I'm now looking at this Wikipedia page. It says it's season one animated in squiggle vision and heavily using retro scripting. Oh, yeah, it's improvised. You can you can yeah. tell strongly because they do not feel like sitcom episodes, the first five. And then they kind of no. and then they start feeling like some more standard sitcom plots that you could, yeah. you could have seen. Un unlike most shows on Adult Swim, it, it got more structured as it went along. I feel like, though, for like 99, because we just finished up. Um, well, again, the way this comes out, it's not going to feel that way when you're listening to this. But to us, it feels like we just finished up our uh, animation series and there were a lot of shows we talked about that all started around this same time and a lot of them started as like kind of a mini series or like a a few episodes doing one thing and then there was like a shift like this is pretty uh, this is actually pretty common um for that time i think they were really like testing the waters with cartoons and so you have so many cartoons that just like feel radically different after like six episodes and, and adult swims sort of whole mo early on was like it was like half uh new stuff like uh, Aqua Teen and, and uh, Sea Lab and sort of the last couple spurts of Space Ghost episodes. Um, but it was it was just as much like, you know, shows that they had rescued from other networks like uh, like home movies or, or, or Baby Blues or the Oblongs, which they ran for like a decade. <laughs> yeah, I really like the Oblongs. Um, but Space Ghost and uh, and Sea Lab. Sea <clears throat> Lab was one of my favorite shows, and I love them. I think it's so cool how they used just old Hanna Barbera stock footage to create oh, yeah. those shows. I don't know. That's like mind blowing to me for some reason. I mean, one of our cats is literally named after a Space Ghost episode, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, our, uh, our our cat Kentucky is named after Old Kentucky Shark, who's the mascot of the failing liquor store company that bought uh, Space Ghost's show. Oh my god! Um, and so that's how we got Old Kentucky Old Kentucky Cat. Um, but yeah, there, there was the, the, uh, the aesthetic around early adult swim, at least it's original stuff was, was pretty unified around the, like, let's take old animation and repurpose it or do something new that kind of feels like that. Yeah. It's very smart. I'm sure it was a money thing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> also, you're right. It did switch to flash. That's what it said. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure Which RIP flash. Yeah, right? Yeah, sad. We just did Homestar Runner last week, and uh, so we talked a lot about about R.I.P. Flash. And then right after we finished recording that episode, my computer gave me a notification letting me know that Flash was uh, expiring and would I like to uninstall it. And it literally froze my entire fucking computer, and I had to force restart it. <laughs> when just automatically or when you tried to uninstall it? It just it, it popped up and froze everything on my computer just, just by existing. <laughs> you got to appreciate, appreciate all these final... Crashes. Yeah, right? God. So, uh, so home movies. We, we sort of got distracted yeah. uh, it's talking about the kind of initial slate of what Adult Swim was. What's it? It's about a bunch of fourth graders who act like adults and um, mainly three friends, Jason, Melissa, and Brendan. Um, and they, Brendan played by Brendan Small. Jason, I didn't realize this when I originally watched it, but Jason is also played by H. John Benjamin with his voice pitched up and uh, Melissa's played by Melissa. I'm blanking on her full name. Um, uh, character Barden Galski. Yes. And then I must have Fumero, but that's, that's uh, what's her name from Brooklyn nine, nine. Yeah. Um, 
So mainly it's about these three kids. They go to school. They make home movies, which is a fun way for the show to tangent off into like sketches. Um, a lot of time is spent with Brendan's mom, Paula, uh, Coach McGurk, who coaches the soccer team, is a huge part of it. One of my favorite parts of the show is they'll just have Brendan and the coach talking to each other. It reminds me of Dr. Katz, like a therapy session just on the bench while the rest of the team is playing soccer. Yeah. And they just talk to each other about anything. Mm-hmm. And I really love those conversations. Coach McGurk definitely has that. He's the closest to like the standard John Benjamin character. Yeah, he sounds just like John Benjamin. He has a Homer Simpson energy I was noticing. And like later, yeah. he gets into some like weird shit that only Homer Simpson would get into. I feel he's a little more of a burnout than like Bob or Archer. He's me. Are. It's crazy that I I now relate. <laughs> he's, he's like 37. He's or no, he's actually older than that. I think he tries to lie and say he's like 37. He's probably in his 40s. He tries to do stand up. He he tries to buy houses he can't afford. He's still trying to figure out what his passion is. Uh, he's a sweet guy, but he still screams a lot at the kids and has a short temper. <laughs> and and you you did go on tour as a soccer coach based comedian for uh, a couple <laughs> years there. Yes. I'm, I'm now again. Uh, clearly, I prepared for this episode. I'm so sorry, but I'm reading about it. It's just he admits that he hates soccer and has never played it. That's, That's very funny. Oh yeah. Everybody on the show does. So there is, I don't know how to describe the show except like cynical. It's pretty, everybody's pretty unhappy and selfish and not really likable, even though I find them all likable because they're, they just seem relatable and human, but except uh, maybe Walter and Perry, the two ambiguously gay kids who are turn out to be pretty mischievous and, and kind of assholes later in episodes. But they're, they're basically the exact same characters as the twins on Bob's Burgers. That's another one. One of them is H. John Benjamin Walter. Oh, yes. And and Brendan Small. Yeah, is, it's Brendan Perry. Yeah. yeah, it was a, it was a pretty the voice cast in this show was pretty tight. It was mostly the three of them. And then Ron Lynch sometimes. Ron Lynch plays Mr. Lynch. Jen Kirkman plays like every love interest. <laughs> Emo Phillips is in there at some point. Oh my God. So Emo Phillips plays Shannon, who's, it's very clearly Emo Phillips, very recognizable voice. Shannon is the bully. He's Shannon shows up in one of the first season episodes and is such a devious asshole. These kids are in fourth grade and he's like breaking into cars and stealing stereos and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> He he also shows uh, he lets Brendan there's an episode centered around Shannon early on and he lets Brendan beat him up just to give him a win. And he says, sometimes you got to just give him a little win. And I, I love I love that moment from Shannon. And Brendan does like this incredible dance, this little like, I don't know, he dances in celebration of thinking he he's beaten Shannon and Brendan runs off. And then Shannon says that <laughs> he let him think- win. I think, you know, like you were saying about the, the conversations with uh, between Brendan and Coach McGurk and yeah. uh, moments like that, I, I think are why home movies works as well as it does, because it for as much as it is kind of cynical, it, it's it's cynical in that sort of like 13 year old sort of way, you know, where like your thesis doesn't go a lot different, a lot deeper than like, man, the world sucks and adults are bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. They're all fourth graders, though, so they're like eight. <laughs> Right. But like they, they definitely like I know they, they play them like they're adults. I just I think that's funny. They don't even play like teenagers. They play like adults. adults. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's even beyond like South Park where like sometimes you forget that that they're kids. 
Um, but like so much of I think why this show works is the sort of like small moments of warmth like that or like the the moments of connection between two weird characters who are stuck in a situation that neither of them really want to be in. Yeah, the show definitely has heart. It definitely has heart. Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, they usually have, uh, you know, come together in some sort of friendly family way. <laughs> yeah. And because it focuses around uh, Brendan's attempt to make movies, it it feels like there's always a thing you're kind of rooting for. Like the the goal of each episode sort of at the end of the day is creation, you know, and like working creatively with your friends. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, yeah. I think by the second season, they've done two episodes on like writer's block. One of them where they take a hiatus because they can't figure out any ideas and one where Brendan literally has writer's block. There's only so many ideas in the home movies universe. Yeah. I think it's very, I just, I, I would like to read this sentence from the Wikipedia because I think it's so funny. <laughs> this, it's talking about season two, and then it says, The show also develops a writing device that carries through the next seasons in which the plots of one episode usually all have an underlying theme. I was like, oh, so TV? <laughs> like, like that's, that's normal. I don't, What? <laughs> So it's well written. Yeah. Who wrote that on Wikipedia? I know, right? I was like, who the fuck came into Wikipedia and said that they developed a pl- a writing device that was plot? It was probably Brendan, honestly. Are you on the fandom? No, wiki? I'm on like actual, Regular. like just like Wikipedia. That is movies. surprisingly bad writing. For yeah, me. it's just very funny. <laughs> I have to say, their fandom Wikipedia, which I spent some time on this week, is uh, written very poorly, <laughs> like like a mess. Oh, I mean, most wikis are. Yeah, true. The uh, home movies is also much like the other uh, Lauren Bouchard shows. I, I, I haven't seen much of Dr. Katz, but I don't believe it was a particularly musical show. But uh, no, it was a stand up show. It was like stand ups doing their bit to on the couch. That was the whole premise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I, like I've seen a little a little bit of it, but it's yeah, it's definitely it's definitely that. Um, But like this show, there's tons of music in it. Uh, lots of the movies they make are musicals and the songs are generally like written at that perfect level of like, oh, this feels like it was maybe written by a kid Um, because Brendan Small is a phenomenal guitar player, like went to Berkeley to learn how to shred. Um, Rewatching it, I couldn't believe, I didn't realize how much music played a role in it. I thought it was like just Dwayne's band and it was a little taste of it in later seasons, but it's from the get-go and it plays a huge part. Oh yeah, it's 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 all over it. And Brendan wrote most, if not all of the music, um, along with also playing Dwayne, uh, who, who feels the most like, if you look at Dwayne, it's only about two steps to get to Death Clock from there. It's so clear where Death Clock, yeah, where how that he like kind of just wanted to make that show the whole time. That's what it feels oh, totally. like. Did you did you ever uh, did you ever watch Death Clock? Oh, I love Metalocalypse. It, it was Death so Clock good. something different than Metal or just oh, Metal? No, no, no. I just yeah, I just yeah. wind up calling it Death Clock. No, but totally. uh, yeah, Metalocalypse. You know, I think they wanted to call it Death Clock, but there was a uh, band some already copyright. called that. Yeah, there's some. Copyright. Yeah, when he when he first announced it, it was it was called Death Clock, and I think that's why it's just always stuck. I'm t- like that. I am a huge fan of everything 
kind of Brendan Small and Lauren Bouchard and Jonathan Katz because he, he he plays uh I loved Dr. Katz and then he he plays Melissa's father and he's oh, right. really funny on home movies. He's I feel like he wrote most of his dialogue because it all feels incredibly Jonathan Katz. It's all one liners and quips and it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh yeah, that are like the tightest joke you've ever heard. Um yeah the 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 vibe of the show because it's kind of semi improvised it it really f- feels conversational in a, in a way that like Bob's Burgers has a little bit like that that show feels more naturalistic than most cartoons do these days especially ones on Fox but like it's it's nothing compared to how it how it was here which i think is also kind of what gives it the kind of scrappy charm that it has yeah I don't know why it's so charming. It is the way they're the style, the animation, the way that they're wearing these little onesies. They're wearing these like little one piece suits. Yeah, uh, it's really cute. The show's like unbelievably cute. The theme song is cute. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's I don't know why it it's like it both is comforting, but also there is a lot of yelling in it. So it's it's hard to say it actually is comforting when you have Coach McGurk like Brendan. Brendan! <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> the background of most scenes is generally one character going like, Brendan, Bren- Brendan, Brendan, stop. And Brendan, Brendan is such a shit. Brendan is like, you learn early oh, yeah. on, they do the Dwayne, they have the episode director's cut, which is the Franz Kafka Dwayne Oh, that's the wrote. Kafka one? Oh, the Kafka yeah, one rules. Like, I thought that was like fourth season. It's like the third episode of the show. What? Dwayne, Dwayne wrote a op- rock opera. And he wants Brendan to direct it, but Brendan wants full control. And they kind of show that Brendan is like a bit of a nightmare really early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it ends with Dwayne allowing him to get a director's cut. The plots never really matter and are never really no. tied up very well. No, um, I, I definitely as a like nascent creative kid when this movie came out, whose name is shockingly close to Brendan. Uh, (laughs) It wouldn't surprise you that I really identified with the character of Brendan uh, at that age and probably pulled some of my less than ideal artistic tendencies from that. Like, like I remember the director's cut episode, like specifically bugging me being like, no, the director should always get final cut. This is garbage. (laughs) And I was like, and now thinking back, I'm like, dude, you were in seventh grade. Chill. (laughs) Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, Mitch Hedberg also shows up in the early seasons. He plays uh, a few, I think, a few characters, but mainly the the pet eulogist at this cat funeral is my favorite Mitch Hedberg moment. People should Google if you want to hear his eulogy for a cat, hmm. which I'm sure I hope he wrote. <laughs> is he a comedian that people still remember if... if- Yes. I mean, okay. if you're our right. age, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's more what I meant. Like, I didn't know if people that are like a decade or two younger than us who are comedy people. I know if uh, I have a fifth, a 10 year old student and he's obsessed with Mitch Hedberg, even though it's like not totally appropriate for him because his parents play it for him because he loves all of the jokes that are appropriate are his just make 10 year olds laugh. Oh, yeah. And comedians, you know. He was a kind of a comedian's comedian, and then he became a legend after he passed away. So I think his story, I think he's going to stay in. And you know what? Because of um, Spotify, Pandora and that sort of shit, his couple albums will always make their way into playlists in people's ears. And he's just so good. I think he'll I think he's going to keep uh, in the culture. Yeah, pr- I, he, he sort of fits in that same niche that like Stephen Wright does. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, actually, Emo Phillips 
uh, for for that matter. I like how um I'm again that uh just from the vantage point of 2020, thinking about Louis C.K. being his deadbeat dad is very funny. Yeah. To me. Oh, yes. <laughs> Which I forgot about until I was rewatching it, and uh, and then it almost. What's incredible is when you see that Louis C.K. is his dad, and then you're like, Brendan Small has red hair because Louis C.K. is his dad. <laughs> I think that's how that plays out. By the, I think he shows up in the second season. Oh yeah, he does. He lo- he does look like a baby Louis C.K. And Louis' character does look like real life Louis C.K. <laughs> oh my god! One of my favorite moments in that first episode I watched this recently, where he meets. So in the first season, you hear about his dad. I think the 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 season finale of the first season, his dad calls him and yeah. it's the first time they talk in since Brendan was a little boy, like since he could remember. And then the second season he shows up the dad. And the first time Brendan's in the car with him, he sees that his dad's hair is the same color, but it's forward. And Brendan's hair is like, uh, you know, slicked back in that funny point. And Brendan, like this is very adorable moment where he's in the car and he looks over at his dad and then he kind of tries to, get his hair forward in the same position as his dad's. And then he just shakes it out and they never mention it. This is a really subtle moment. Oh, but the show is full of that fucking, that's like, that's some deeper heart shit. <laughs> oh, totally. And, and you know, I think in the same way that like, like on South Park, they, they do treat the kids like they're full adults for the majority of the time. But when they do choose moments to really remind you, Oh wait, no, these are kids. It's usually stuff like that that winds up hitting uh, in a really emotional way, which which is another thing that, like I was saying, that South Park is really good at, of like, they're really good at occasionally reminding you, hey, these actually are kids, and so they sometimes have, like, the concerns and, you know, worries and anxieties that kids have, yeah. even though we're, we're presenting them in this, this very adult, larger-than-life world, they are still kids, you know? Yeah, it's it's crazy to me. I think they have Brendan. They have like relationship episodes in the first season and the second season uh, where they never hook up or anything. They're in fourth grade, but they go through all of the drama of like relationships, being having a crush on somebody there being an ex. um, And it's almost always it's always Jen Kirkman Kirkman's voice. Oh, yeah, because I guess she was in Boston at that. Home Movies was also a, a very Boston show. I think it might have even been fully produced in Boston. Um, and Jan Kirkman and Brendan Small were all Boston people. Oh, yeah. Brendan Small also debuts one of the best comedy Bang Bang characters, which is Victor Diamond, which is basically uh, what's his name? Mm, do I have it written down? Dr. Roxa, the rock and roll clown who does <laughs> cocaine. No. <laughs> uh, Mashed Potatoes Johnson, the old Mississippi blues man. What? What? I can't remember his name, Adelbert, whatever. There's one guy that's essentially the Victor. Di- he, I, I can't do the voice because I don't. It borders on like almost making fun of somebody. It's like a foreign sounding voice, but it's oh sure. Oh, I know, I know the I know the guy yeah. you're talking about. I know the voice you're talking it's about. It's like yeah. Ken Adelberg or something. I wrote it down. I can't find it. Yeah, it's 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 like it's almost like a Doctor Nick voice. Yeah. Yeah, I know the exact guy you're. Hey, tiny. I'm going to the It's like that. It bordering on a little, you know, disabled. Which is, I'm going to stay away from it. Yeah, like, like it's 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 the sort of midpoint between like that sort of bad stereotype and like someone from Sheep's Head Bay. Yes, yes. Well, that guy. I didn't realize that 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 voice shows up on the show, and he plays. He's weird. He's like the meat man. He also he like runs a casino. It's like a character that just shows up in random places, and then he also has a son. 
who goes to school and talks in a similar way. And uh, I think there's an episode where Brendan makes fun of his voice and actually gets in trouble for it. So good that I repeated that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it was, you know, just factual reporting of the episode. Um, uh, so of the other sort of early adult swim things, uh, which ones were there any that you were particularly fond of? Oh, well, speaking of Metalocalypse, though, I did get you yeah. an answer on that, that it was called Death Clock, but it was spelled differently. That's what it was. Cl- spelled C-L-O-C-K was a trademark already, which is why they changed the spelling of the band to a K. To a K. Uh, and then the show was originally called Death Clock Metalocalypse, but then like network people or whatever decided that was too complicated. And that's how it ended up just being Metalocalypse. Fair. And the the spelling they settled on is is better than spelling clock normally, I think. Yeah, I agree. Well, ain't nobody heard of that band, so fuck it. Obviously, yeah, you're right. I That's mean, fair. speaking of Metalocalypse, Metalocalypse is one of my other favorite shows from the, I guess that was years later. But, a few, God, but. That was still within that kind of first initial push. Yeah. The first, the, the first hour-long special aired on October. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, uh, da, da, it premiered in 2006. So it was only like two years after Home Movies wrapped. All right. And then. C-Lab was also, I just remember, C-Lab was when I remember watching live with my roommates in college. We were always so excited for it to come on. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was just the funny show in the world to us. That guy who played the main voice, I think he passed away in the middle of the show. Uh, he did. Ha- yeah. uh, Harry, I'm blanking on his Harry name. Gauze, maybe? Yeah, Harry Gauze, maybe. Yeah, that was 2001 to 2005 was C-Lab. So it overlapped home movies. Yeah, every episode ended with the lab exploding, right? Did oh, they ever yeah. get away from That was just every episode? Okay. Most of them, most most of them, yeah, or like a like or like a like a time shift, or like just some okay. a lot of Adult Swim shows, especially the like ten minute ones back then, which was the majority of the the programming, would often end on these just sharp right turns into yeah. like something, and I, I hate the word random as a descriptor of comedy, but of just of something random. I love that in just an 11-minute show, they'll find so much time. They'll still take their time and waste their time on jokes, oh, totally. like, jokes that are just long, comedic pauses. <laughs> oh, like the one where um, you just watch him follow the ant for like <laughs> yeah, the space 20 the minutes? Ant, yeah. And it makes me think, like, what do they have? Like a four-minute script? <laughs> they're just, they're just, yeah, straight, right? they're just playing. It's funny to me. I love it. C Lab, I, I think too. It's well, I mean, the the, the funniest thing about C Lab to me now is that we're uh, we're two months away from it being 2021. And I, I tweeted something like towards the end of last year of like, hey, it's almost 2020. Now we're gonna get to see how C Lab. Got from C Lab 2020 to C Lab 2021. <laughs> oh my god, that's so great! Um, Perfect. And, ter- and turns out now we all, we all know why they all went insane down there. Coronavirus, yeah, uh, in an election. Um, yeah, I watched. I actually watched some old uh, C Lab 2020 this week. It's oh um, hell yeah! Which ones did you watch? I just I, like the first two, basically. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I think my I think my favorite my two favorites are Bebop Cola. Which is the one where Captain Murphy uh, is going to get a soda and the machine falls on him and he's just trapped there for oh yeah for like a week. It's and basically one hundred twenty-seven. Stung by the scorpion. Oh yeah, God, the yeah. scorpion that he befriends. <laughs> I gotta rewatch that. I did not watch that this week. It's it's. I think that I think that might be the one of the one of the best ones. And then they have this other episode. I forget what it's called. 
but it, it's very much like you were saying, Beth, like the fire ant thing uh, and just like wasting your time in this perfectly stupid way. Uh, the whole episode is is based around one of the characters uh, is trying to take a day off and just wants to be like left alone in his room. But then like you it's made to seem like he's, you know, cheating on his girlfriend in there. And you see them from outside the door. Somebody goes, "Uh oh, and then it pans over to the person next to him and they go. Oh, and then it pans to another person in the hallway who goes, oh, and then it just escalates until like, <laughs> like by the end of it, we're in space. Were they and not it, getting it, any notes from anybody for these? If it really apparently not. Probably not. I love it's, it. Uh, like, it seems like the only note that the Space Ghost people got and that early Adult Swim got was do whatever, just don't spend money. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. And I think the success of Space Ghost was just so critical and kind of launched. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, Space Ghost was the uh, one of the first, I think the first original show on, or, or one of the first on Cartoon I could not Network. believe doing my little research this week. I could, I could not believe that Space Ghost started in 95. That's like yeah. really, yeah. And I didn't realize Dr. Katz, the like old. I think I was watching Dr. Katz on Comedy Central and it was the lead in to The Critic during like the two seasons of The Critic. Mm-hmm. And it was a glorious time of me like getting into comedy. <laughs> I yeah, I, I feel that I, I think every comedy nerd has a time like that where you just a couple shows that are really formative to you hit right at the same time. And you're just like, oh, this is my sensibility right in front yeah, of me. I think UCB, I think the UCB sketch show started on Comedy Central like. 97 or 98? Oh, I think it was 99. Soon, yeah, a little after 95. Peyton Reed directed a lot of that, which was surprising to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, as far as the other uh, early Adult Swim stuff goes, we've we've covered South Park. We haven't really covered Aqua Teen. Um, I, I love Aqua Teen. Aqua, I think Aqua Teen rules. Um, but I also get why people hate Aqua Teen, because it, it is the most, like, LOL random... Uh, of those early shows. There's an annoying element to a lot of Adult Swim shows. Oh, totally. No, no. Like, if you're if you're overhearing it from the other room or something like that, you're like, what are you watching? I don't know. Shows that, I mean, and sometimes home movies, can, when I hear Coach McGurk just, like, screaming at Brendan, and Brendan's, sometimes that can have a feel of, like, God, is this just annoying? <laughs> but, oh, totally. But, but then it's actually very, it's smart annoying and really good. Oh yeah, like the the first time I ever showed like an Aqua Teen or an Adult Swim thing to a girl I liked, I would just have this moment of like, oh god, they're not laughing. Oh god, this is awful. Oh god, I'm seeing everything now in slow motion of why people hate this. Oh god. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, like you said when you started rewatching this earlier, you're like, god, I hold, hope it holds up. And I feel like that's everything from this early Adult Swim like slate. Whenever we go back to rewatch it, we were all just like, oh god, I remember the early 2000s. Does this hold up? Was this bad? Was this like yeah. weird? Oh, was this was, weirder than I remember? Yeah, I was definitely checking in for it. I mean, they dropped the uh the R word, you know, a handful of times. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh I, I don't know. Things are just the, the way just pay a lot more attention to how sex is treated and race and misogyny yeah. and homophobia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think at, at least sort of on, on, you know, on Adult Swim's part, a lot of those early shows didn't they they weren't sort of trafficking in shock value the same way, say, like South Park or something was. 
So I think you had a little bit less of that across the board. So the, the few moments you do, it really sort of sticks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cowboy Bebop, I had a, a phase of, uh, of, I think, being pretty into. Oh, who, do, who hasn't? Yes. God, fucking so good. Cowboy Bebop is like a whole other thing, though. Yeah, I wasn't even. I couldn't even remember if that was Adult Swim. <laughs> it, w- it was. Um, it was? I didn't know it aired on Adult Swim. Well, it, yeah, I mean, it wasn't made for Adult Swim. No, but, I like, know that. It was... When Adult Swim debuted, they also sort of debuted, like, Adult Toonami uh, that they, I think, called, like, just Adult Swim Toonami or something like that, which is where they, that's just how they showed Cowboy Bebop or, like, Trigun, I think. Like, a lot of the anime stuff that they couldn't show on uh, uh, normal Toonami, but that also, like, it didn't feel of a piece with Adult Swim, you know? And yeah. for a long before Adult Swim was every night of the week, it used to just be Sunday nights, and then they'd rerun the block on Thursday. Exactly. And then it was right. Toonami was I think f- Friday night and or Saturday night or both. Um, and it wasn't until like I think we were in college that Adult Swim finally just became every night after like ten or or whatever. I, yeah, I didn't know that. Like I said, I mean, as I've covered before, I didn't watch a lot of uh, cartoons growing up, and I definitely didn't watch late night TV. So, Fair. so there are things that I just like don't know. A lot of my exposure to these shows were not until we were in college. So a lot That's of times fair. I was watching them either in their late stages or as like reruns. Yeah, I had a hard time watching anime. There's, uh, I, it was foreign to me, and my, <clears throat> I don't know, the pacing. It took me. It wasn't until like later and in college that. I got into a lot of the Adult Swim shows that were on when I was younger. And a lot of them have, uh, or at least a good chunk of them, have now gone up on HBO Max. Yeah, I was just going to say that, yes, that's where I watched home movies, and I think C-Lab was on there. Uh, If it's not on there, C-Lab's on Hulu. It seems like they're weirdly sort of split halfway between some stuff made it onto HBO Max and some stuff got stuck on Hulu. Like, I think Space Ghost... Aqua Teen, Home Movies, and C-Lab are on HBO Max, but... Uh, yeah, Space Ghost, they had, like, the first season of... Or the first episode of Space Ghost, and then only the seventh season. Uh, set. Right. Whereas HBO Max has the whole the whole thing, give or take. Like, I think there are a couple episodes that are missing. Like, the 30-minute version of Fire Ant isn't on there. Um, or a couple of the weird, like when they did an episode and then aired it three times in a row and just added a commentary track on top of it each time. Yeah. Mm. Uh, to the point where there were three commentaries going at once. Oh, wow. Your um, dream. Yeah. Right. It fucking ruled. It was the greatest moment in television Stupid. history. Um, other than the five minute guitar solo that Brendan small put in the death clock special. <laughs> it's also pretty stupid. easy to find the stuff that isn't available um, on a major platform. There's enough, there's enough like anime specific sites. Uh, I don't know. They're just everywhere on the internet. Oh, totally. And and like early adult swim was documented pretty well. uh, And like sort of was the beginning of people like downloading shows and putting them up on like torrents and news groups and stuff. So like you can find a lot of that shit pretty easily. And like, we've talked about this before too. It was also part of that first wave of like more, not more serious adult animation, but more expanded adult animation beyond just the Simpsons. Yeah. So like totally. it was there was so much out there that people were like really eager to like really catalog it and keep it because they were so worried it was going to go away again. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, was there any other? What else was happening in America in terms of? I, I'm not like an animation expert, but what was it? Tim, some of the first adult animation in America. Yeah, so '99 is when South Park starts. It's when this starts. It's when okay. Daria starts. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was a. It wound up being a pretty, uh, pretty important couple years there, uh, and there had and around that time too, there were some uh, like, I think CBS or NBC tried a couple different times with like. God, the devil and Bob or like some other uh, mm. or father of the pride. Some uh, the the animated right. sitcom about Siegfried and Royd's uh, lions. Oh, my God, I do not remember. These um, and uh, it for, for whatever reason, aside from Fox, the major networks have never really been able to make animation for adults or really in general work. Uh but for whatever reason, on cable around that time with Adult Swim and MTV and Comedy Central, it, it popped off pretty hard. But it really only took deep root on Adult Swim. Like, uh, Comedy Central doesn't have that many cartoons, um, at least historically. Or if they do, they certainly don't run for very long. Yeah. Um, but, like, they, you, you couldn't have had a lot of what was on Adult Swim without... South Park, which just left such a massive cultural footprint, sort of the way The Simpsons did almost exactly a decade earlier. God, I'm a nerd. Well, that's all right. That's why we have this show. I do have to say before we uh, before we wrap up, I do think you should explain to people, uh, Brandon, and perhaps even to uh, Michael, if he didn't understand what you were doing. What was your bit at the top of the show? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, I got it. <laughs> So if Michael got it, um, I'm not going to explain it to the audience then. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Well, have a good night, guys. <laughs> Bye. There's an episode of uh, of Death Clock where the governor of Florida says something like, that's like barely a slight against uh, Nathan Explosion, the lead singer of Death Clock. And so that, of course, leads to... Death Clock fans murdering him. Uh, and then Nathan Explosion is made governor of Florida, which he is just super not prepared for. Uh, and he spends most of the episode just eating chips. And at one point he's he's so giving funny. a like speech as governor on the radio and is still just eating chips. And they're like, you're on air. He's like, I'm eating chips, <laughs> which I used to do on my radio show. In college, just like flagrantly eat chips on on Man. air and say I was eating chips. I just think Brendan Small. I, I guess why I want to do this podcast. I think Brendan. Sm why I like home movies. I think Brendan Small is very very funny. And, oh yeah, and every character he's involved with, every show he's involved with, I find uh, it just excites me and and cracks me up. And his appearances on Comedy Bang Bang are fucking hysterical. Do Do you think it maybe has something to do with the fact that like. Like you're a musical guy. A lot of a lot of your tantrum stuff is is musical, and and Brendan is is like clearly out there being a both funny and musical person. That just impresses me more and makes me hate him. That he's also good at <laughs> that he's also extremely talented at at uh, music. That's how I feel uh, about John Worcester. Yeah, I was like, ah, oh, I want your career so bad, but uh, but you're also the drummer for the Mountain Goats, and that's amazing. Mount, yeah. So yes, I'm also very. No, I'm not jealous. I just have a respect. <laughs> admiration um yeah I, but the music i don't even like i don't like metal music but i love metalocalypse i like the music he makes for home movies more the mix of like that's fair 
some rock punk metal from Dwayne, but also all of the like bizarre musical jokey fuck around stuff for all the movies. I don't know. Even the score stuff too. Like there, there's one episode, I, I forget what, it's one of the later ones, but they're all at this party for most of the episode. And it ends with the three kids just walking home, like down the street while the sun is setting. And the piece of music it, it, that plays, it might even just be called like Sunset Theme or something like that. If, if you look it up on, if you look up like Man, this is Sunset on YouTube, you, you should be able to find it. But it's this really gorgeous, like triple harmonized guitar piece that like... That's just the score. Yeah, it's just the score, yeah. but like it's so it, it gives so much mood to it, and is also so impressive that it's also the main character made it. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. why didn't you get some sleep and give the job to somebody else? <laughs> well, I don't know. It's so much work. You must oh, really yeah. have to trust your instincts. If people, uh, in your recommendation, Michael, if people wanted to check out home movies, do you? We've talked a little bit about how they kind of go back and forth. I think only the one season has an arc. So do you have like a favorite episode you think that people should check out or do you think people should just watch it from the beginning? Um, it's not a show that needs to be watched from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I don't know what to say. Maybe just check into that Metamorphosis episode, Director's Cut, in the first season. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a really, really good one that like has a lot of the things the sh <coughs> excuse me, has a lot of the things the show does best. <laughs> How you doing? You good? Yeah, don't judge me. Of course I'm going to um, judge you, Don't babe. judge me on my air. Yeah. I, I married you. I'm legally allowed to judge you forever. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's what it says on our on our uh, marriage certificate. The judge said I can judge. Exactly. And he's a judge. So, uh, Michael Resnick, uh, speaking of being judged by other people, if people want to find more Michael Resnick-related content on their internet, or their social media feeds. How could if they do like that? If you'd like them to. If, if you'd like oh, them to. I'm not doing a lot of stuff on social media recently because the world is just terrifying me, but um, check me out at MC Resnick on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, you could also check out the podcast I host with my friend Andrew Fernandez, fellow Tantrum member. Called Andrew Fernandez. <laughs> that yeah. is called Ah Did I Audit That. <laughs> um, uh, it's about Floor is Lava. We dissect in depth every episode of the Netflix show Floor is Lava. And we also had a spinoff bonus episode about the first presidential debate. If you want to go back to that well, uh, we'll have other we'll have other fun <laughs> bonus episodes. Well, by the time this airs, we'll uh, have a election answer. So, oh, God. And hopefully a different president. Yeah. You know what? I'm just going to. Oh, God. You know, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to. It's fine. It's, it, no, we don't have to talk about it anymore, especially as this will now be going up. Uh, well, when you guys are hearing this, it's it's about a month after the election. Okay, but I'm going to show confidence. We did it! We yeah. did it! Woo! Let's USA! Have it. USA! I mean, but I was going to say, like, I've actively <laughs> screamed at our listeners about the election before, so don't feel bad. Oh no. I cannot believe that Bernie Sanders won in a massive write-in landslide. <laughs> uh, it was incredible. I don't get to actually celebrate this victory. I'm going to celebrate it uh, in this fake time travel way. Yeah, hell yeah. He did it! He's gone! He's gone! Lindsey Graham lost in South Carolina! Woo! God, I hope. Tom Tillis is out of North Carolina. God, I hope. <sighs> anyway, Brandon, what's going on with you? Where can people find have, you? What are you What are you doing? Once again, remember, it is December. <laughs> I, have, I have lost so much money betting on the South Carolina Senate race, you guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, if people wanted to find more of, of my garbage, uh, you could find me at Hell Yes Brandon on all of the socials. 
Uh, my band, Ink Blot, has some stuff on YouTube and our SoundCloud, including our uh, wild Tom Waits cover that I blew out my voice singing. Um, Happy Sappy Grown Up Hour is uh, third Wednesday of every month on twitch.tv slash packtheater. Um, Which means that I, it will uh, be... You know, it was last week. Sorry. Fair. I also don't know if we'll have had a December show, so, you know, history will will show if I was right or wrong on that. Um, and hopefully my EP, Hat on a Hat, should be uh, dropping soon-ish. Oh, wait, um, it's not December. It's, it's, it's Thanksgiving week. It's Thanksgiving week, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, cool. We did it! We did it's it! it! Woo! <laughs> we landed on Plymouth Rock, baby! Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's it for, for my stuff. Yeah, Hat on a Hat will hopefully be dropping, uh, soon. I, I just now have heard some of the live drum tracks that I got, uh, back from, uh, Madden Class, who's a fantastic drummer who kicked complete fucking ass on the, the track I said. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully that'll be, you know, out on your, your, your band camp or whatever. I'm sure I'll be yelling at everyone about it a lot more once it actually is about to, to drop. But, you know, I gotta, gotta, gotta make that EP cash, baby. <laughs> I'm not going to make any money on music ever. Uh, Beth, what about you? Uh, yeah, you can find me everywhere online at at bscores, B-E-E-S-C-O-R-E-S with an underscore at the end. Uh, but the easiest way to find me would just be to follow the show. Uh, we're at at IntuitPod on Twitter. We're the hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram. We're on Facebook if for some reason you still are. Uh, and uh, Good handles. Yeah, you can, you can find us everywhere. Um, also... As now that I've looked it up, guys, I, I know I do this to you guys every week where I don't look up when the episode is going to be until we're doing this. And I'm so sorry to our listeners, but um, <laughs> we have not decided yet if we are going to be doing a show. Uh, this Thursday would have been our uh, live show on Twitch, but it is obviously Thanksgiving. So unsure what we're going to be doing, but, you know, check out our feed. We have the right to do a show if we want. The, the, the pack was like, yeah, absolutely go for it if you want to do one. It might just be the two of us uh, doing a hang, talking about stuff. Uh, we might invite some other people in. It'll probably be very casual, but, like, hey, if you got stuck in your apartment by yourself because people don't want to travel for Thanksgiving, maybe come hang out with us on Thursday night on Twitch. It'll be fun. Yeah. I might write a rap musical about the history of Thanksgiving. Please don't. You never know what you're going to find. All right, on, I'll see you uh, next Thanksgiving, ho- maybe. Holiday episode. Perfect. Excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's that's all I've, I've really got. Uh, thank you, as always, to Kaylin West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song, Starting Over is a Lot Like Giving Up, off the album Falling is Like Flying. That's all I've got. Thank you for joining us, Michael. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great to talk to some people. <laughs> yeah, right. It that 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 has been the most surprising thing about this this show is that we've done like thirty something episodes in quarantine, and it, it was uh, the main way I've been able to talk to people. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's been it's been nice. We've done more episodes this year than we did of any of our. Any other year. <laughs> yeah, in our original year and a half run. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one of those silver linings. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Well, well uh, all that being said, podcast eating chips. That's <laughs> <laughs>